as I was on my way back, I suddenly felt like I was very, very drunk. I lost some control over my limbs. I was really finding it hard to straighten up. And after about five, ten minutes, it passed. And I, I kind of assumed it was a quasi hangover or, or maybe I was just a little bit dehydrated. So I came home, made my wife a cup of coffee. We live in a townhouse that's two floors, so there was no problem. I went upstairs, made her a cup of coffee, didn't even mention what had happened. Had a bit of a funny turn when I got back downstairs. I'd lost complete control of my balance. I really felt quite ill. I was really struggling to walk. And a number of workers were working on a, a building site nearby, and they said to me, they were just shouting at me, mate, you can't go to work, you're so drunk. Because I couldn't speak at that point, I couldn't really tell them I wasn't feeling well. So he sensed something was going on and he knew some of the signs for having a stroke and at that point on my fingers weren't even well I couldn't even click on my mouse and he was asking me a direct question about one of the members of staff and I couldn't even remember her name so he went upstairs to speak to his dad who like I say was a new neurologist um, and then I, again I recovered so I nipped upstairs and said look don't bother your dad I think this is absolutely fine the barrister's neurologist father the barrister himself my assistant and another barrister just arrived at the gym all ran for, rang for an ambulance and it all started from there. I was in an ambulance within eight minutes and I was in Southampton General Hospital 20, 25 minutes after that. And then uh, it all started to um, escalate from there. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear. Welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Be Fast is a mnemonic that can help you understand the signs to look out for that may indicate a stroke. The letters stand for balance loss, eyesight changes, face drooping, arm weakness, speech difficulty, and time to call the emergency services. In this episode, we hear from Mark Harrison from Eastleigh, who suffered a stroke at the age of 56. Well, I live with my wife and my daughter, who's just come back from university. At the time, we had two dogs. We'd only got one dog. For um, my career, I'm a barrister's clerk. I'm the senior clerk to a barrister's chambers in Southampton, where I've been working for 33 years. Pretty stressful job, but I manage 35 barristers. So basically decide what they do every day, manage their lives, their careers and all the rest of it. Relatively fit. I ran 100 miles for charity in July. Been running quite seriously, mostly this year, just for fitness purposes more than anything else. I read a lot of books, pottering around the garden on a very occasional basis. And that's about it, really. I've been to a pub quiz the night before. It was a very hot day, August the 10th, and I'd been to a pub quiz the night before, been the host and been the quiz master, and I had a few drinks. And I took the dog out for a walk early in the morning, and as I was on my way back, I suddenly felt like I was very, very drunk. I lost some control over my limbs. I was really finding it hard to straighten up. And after about five, ten minutes, it passed, and I, I kind of assumed it was a quasi-hangover or, or maybe I was just a little bit dehydrated. So I came home, made my wife a cup of coffee. We live in a townhouse that was two floors, so there was no problem. I went upstairs, made her a cup of coffee, didn't even mention what had happened. Had a bit of a funny turn when I got back downstairs, but about, I don't know, half an hour later, I walked half an hour to the railway station, caught the train into work, walked half an hour up to where I was working. And as I arrived at work, I was about one street away. It happened again quite severely, and I'd lost complete control of my balance. I really felt quite ill. I was really struggling to walk. And a number of workers were working on a, a building site nearby and they said to me, they were just shouting me, mate, you can't go to work, you're so drunk. Because I couldn't speak at that point, I couldn't really tell them I wasn't feeling well. So I got to work and I was sat at my desk um, and again I recovered. So I was trying to work on some emails and one of the barristers I worked for came downstairs and started talking to me. He noticed my eyes weren't tracking, I couldn't look him in the eye, I was constantly looking over his right shoulder. And as luck would have it, his dad's a neurologist, so he sensed 
something was going on and he knew some of the signs for having a stroke. And at that point, my fingers weren't even well. I couldn't even click on my mouse. And he was asking me a direct question about one of the members of staff and I couldn't even remember her name. So he went upstairs to speak to his dad, who, like I say, was a new neurologist. Um, and then I, again, I recovered. So I nipped upstairs and said, look, don't bother your dad. I think this is absolutely fine. And then when I got downstairs, my, my assistant had arrived and I was telling her that I'd had the funniest uh, morning. I'd had these funny turns and it was really strange. And then I said to her, and bizarrely, it's happened again. And at that point, my, my mouth started to freeze. I, I couldn't really use the right side of my mouth and I lost the use of my right leg. It froze and my arm was completely useless. And at that point, the, the barrister's neurologist father, the barrister himself, my assistant and another barrister had just arrived at the gym, all ran for, rang for an ambulance. And it all started from there. I was in an ambulance within eight minutes and I was in Southampton General Hospital 20, 25 minutes after that. And uh, then it all started to um, escalate from there. When he got to hospital, Mark was seen quickly. I was waiting for a bed for literally only five minutes. And I was very lucky that there was a um, consultant that was available to see me straight away. At that point, again, I was in quasi-recovery, so they put me on some aspirin. But very quickly after that, I had two more attacks. So they were able to monitor the um, degeneration of my eyes tracking, the, the rapid lack of movement in my legs and the right-hand side of my body. By then, they were pumping aspirin into me, and I had a CT scan very quickly. And what was mystifying them slightly is I'm a non-smoker, don't drink that much. My heart apparently was in very good condition when they were doing the medical, so they couldn't quite work out what had gone wrong or, or what had happened but they knew it was a stroke of some kind. So they um, popped some heparin into me immediately, and that seemed to um, ease the symptoms. But then I immediately was uh, told, you're going to have to wait and have an MRI scan tomorrow so we can find out what this is medically. We're declaring that you are fit. So there has to be something behind this. So I went down for an MRI scan the next day, which was probably the most horrendous part of the process, being in that machine for what was 45, 50 minutes was was quite difficult and very confining and I, I didn't enjoy that and when that was concluded they found out I had an old head injury they suspect from some time when I was maybe at university so 35 years ago I'd had a, a head injury when I'd been playing football and it hadn't healed itself properly I had a brain bleed at the time when that happened and it hadn't healed properly and that was what was causing what ended up being six mini strokes in that area of my brain and that's what was causing all of the um, symptoms I was displaying. I remember the incident really well. I was playing football at university and the grass was wet when we were clowning around. I stood on the ball and flipped up in the air and landed on the side of my head. And my short term memory was just completely gone. I, I couldn't remember anything that had happened like 20 minutes before. So if I started to read a book when I was in the infirmary, when I got to the end of the page, I couldn't remember how the page had started. But, you know, they thought, uh, as I think everybody did, it was a severe concussion. So they kept me in for 48 hours. There was no test run on me whatsoever. I think I had some painkillers and that was pretty much it. And according to the people at Southampton General, what, what, at that hospital, it, it, it healed itself. I had a minor brain bleed, but blood vessels involved healed themselves. And then that was basically like a, a mini time bomb in my head, which was that 35, 36 years later, was intermittently cutting off the blood flow to that side of my head, which is what caused the stroke. Luckily, Mark didn't need any surgery. They got me on blood thinners immediately. They kept me on the hepatrim for 48 hours because by then my blood pressure was going, was skyrocketing. And so for the time being, and it's a life prescription now, I'm on the clopidogrel, the drug for, for life. I'm taking a whole combination of other drugs at the moment. And that is a life prescription now. Um, and they think as long as I don't take a blow to the head, I should be fine. Obviously, I've got a weakness now just behind my left ear. And they're conscious of that. I have to go back and have another CT scan in about a month's time now. 
uh, just to make sure that that is healing and it, it's had the effect that they wanted to to make this anomaly that's in this blood vessel um, has eased itself. And then touch word uh, will make as close to a full recovery as it's possible to make. But obviously at the moment I'm, I'm very tired um, and that's going to happen for a while now. And many people I know who've suffered the same thing have been tired for a very long time. And, and that's certainly the biggest side effect that I'm finding at the moment. It was pretty interesting when I was at the hospital, they were saying to me, you've got to be particularly careful because was, it was strange. I was in a ward where there were three people who had really severe strokes uh, and could basically move maybe one limb in the side of their face. And, and I was sitting there watching the cricket on my phone and generally reading the paper, reading my book. And I felt great. And the consultant warned me, you've got to be particularly careful because every single person that meets you will think you're medically fit. And you will think, looking at yourself, you're medically fit, but you've got to be very, very careful of fatigue. And I didn't really think about it too much at the time, because like I said, in, in July, in the month leading up to it, I'd run 100 miles for, for cancer charity. So I felt really fit. But the consultant had warned me, you know, you, walking for 20 minutes is probably about your limit. And to be fair to them, they're absolutely right. If I walk for 20 minutes now, I've got to sit down for 10 minutes, maybe have a cup of coffee and then walk back. And I've noticed I, I, I initially, when I went back to work, was, was going to go back working full hours. But I'm working a couple of days uh, a week at home now. I'm not working past four o'clock every day because I just feel really tired um, practically all of the time. It's uh, It really does knock you for six. And I know your body's rebuilding itself. But at the time, I was just thinking, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm absolutely fine. I am so fit. I don't think it's going to be a problem. But it really does knock you for six and it, and it absolutely takes it out of you. So that that has been a real struggle. Fatigue is, is a real problem. It goes right to your very core, to be fair. The consultant had warned me, you would just think you're tired. And fatigue is something completely different. Fatigue would just basically wash you out completely. And, you know, I've been tired before. My work is relatively stressful and you can be quite tired. But fatigue is just a whole new level. Where everyone can see it in me and people can watch me at work. And my assistant's really good at it about 3.30, she just goes, you're, you're gone. Um, my attention span starts to wander. I know my temper's a lot shorter than it could be. I even, I've noticed just a small thing. When I'm walking along now, people overtake me all the time. And when I was fit, I was just walking along and I'd be passing people and scampering to work. And when I'm walking back, certainly from the railway station where I live, walking back, people are just overtaking me all the time. I'm just a lot slower. And by, you know, half past nine, ten o'clock at night, I'm just absolutely shot. You know, I was an early to bed person anyway because I like to get up early in the morning. But the fatigue, is, it, it's, um, it gets right into your real core. It's just not tiredness. You're just really, really fatigued. And your mental acuity is maybe not what it could be. And that is something that you, 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 you've just got to live with. It's, it's, it's very, very frustrating. It's, it's so frustrating. And I don't think it's anything you can be prepared for. Coming up, Mark talks about the effects of fatigue. The fatigue is it, it's um it gets right into your real core. It's just not tiredness. You're just really, really fatigued, and your mental acuity is maybe not what it could be. And that is something that you you, you you've just got to live with. It's, it's it's very very frustrating. It's it's so frustrating, and I don't think it's anything you can be prepared for. And the power of social media. So I just pop my story onto um, Twitter. And suddenly I had 8 million hits. It was just unbelievable. You know, I don't think I've ever understood what going viral is, but uh, suddenly I had 8 million hits. So that was just a strange experience. Out of everything that happened, that was one positive thing that came out. And then I had a lot of medical professionals saying, it's really important that you get this message out. Let's hear how Mark's stroke impacted his family 
in many ways I was quite lucky because my wife uh, she she was driving to work to pick me up when I was first diagnosed because everyone was just thought I was having a funny turn and luckily for me the ambulance beat her to the place where I work so I was in the ambulance and not being taken home some of the people who I was in the hospital with had been taken home or been cared for by their families and they weren't in hospital in that sort of critical sort of three or four hours so I was very lucky from that point of view so by the time my wife got to see me I was largely recovering and the six the six mini episodes had happened because you could only have one visitor a day in hospital because of COVID. Um, I kind of, um, I looked much more myself and we were quite lucky that my daughter at that stage was in America. She just finished university and she had a pre-planned trip to America. So she didn't, we didn't, we decided not to tell her because there was literally nothing she could do about it. So she came back about a week later, six days after it happened. And of course she was absolutely devastated when I told her what had happened and we both got terribly upset, but by then she could see, that I was actually well in myself. Uh, you know, physically I could move. There was no drooping on my face. My hands and my limbs were working. So I think everyone was really shocked. And I think they, they are now going out of the way to make sure I don't do anything stupid, like carry anything heavy or do a lot of walking. And they're very good at marshalling me in because they can sense when I'm tired, make sure I take my medication and stuff like that. So generally, I think at the time it was a massive shock. But I think because I was so lucky and I got the treatment so quickly, that's just made a huge difference, which which was why when I came out of hospital, because I waited till my daughter came back. And when I came out of hospital, I just thought, well, I need to make people aware of uh, FAST or be fast as it's called now. And I'm not a social media um, animal at all. So I just popped my story onto um, Twitter and suddenly I had 8 million hits. It was just unbelievable. You know, I don't think I've ever understood what going viral is, but to, suddenly I had 8 million hits. So that was just a strange experience. Out of everything that happened, that was one positive thing that came out. And then I had a lot of medical professionals saying, it's really important that you get this message out. And it it was interesting because when I was putting out my message, I was saying fast is what everyone should look out for. Some of the medical professionals said it's actually be fast because you have to have balance and eyes to all the symptoms for a stroke. And, And that is true because my biggest symptoms were my balance and my eyes. I looked like I was drunk. And what tipped off everybody was the fact that my eyes weren't tracking. Um, and that made a huge difference to the diagnosis at the time because people were using balance and eyes. That's what really tipped them off and got me to hospital so quickly. And I was, I was so lucky to have got there that fast. I got contacted by the Stroke Association and say, look, this is really important. And you're very brave to tell your story about this. Would you help us more? And I said, of course I would, you know. And I wasn't aware of all the BFAS. I know it used to be on TV, but it's the, those symptoms are not there anymore and quite a lot of barristers chambers have contacted me to say we need to educate our staff about stuff like this i wrote an article for the law society gazette and they published it to say people need to be aware of this because the reality is if this barrister hadn't had a father who was a neurologist who knew what the signs were i probably would have just gone home and gone to bed and there was a guy in the hospital with me who I'm now friends with. Who, who That's what happened to him. He had the symptoms. He went to bed. And by the time six, seven, eight hours later, he realized what was wrong. He'd lost half of his body. And, and, and he didn't recognize the symptoms. or There was nowhere there to help him recognize the symptoms. So he ended up in a much worse position than I did. And I'm just so grateful someone was there who recognized the symptoms. Because it would have been catastrophic otherwise. I mean, by the time I got to hospital, I basically lost the right-hand side of my body use of anything and that would only have got worse um so i was just incredibly grateful that that someone was there who recognized what the problem was mark believes patience is the key 
it does grind away at you. You know, you, you can't do all the things you want to do. And even though your body's telling you that you can do all the things you do, I think people need to be patient with stroke survivors. They, they look and, you know, obviously everyone's condition is very, is very different. Um, but they can look like they're a hundred percent people. People just need to understand that it takes time. It takes a long time. I, I, I went back to work far too early and I'm lucky. I work in a really understanding environment where they've said, well, look, just find what works for you. What find the hours that works for you, the system that works for you, the way you want to work that works for you. And that's what we will do. And all stroke survivors need to do that. I think they need to find something that works for them, be incredibly patient listen to all of the medical advice that you've been given because whilst you might think you can run a marathon you really cannot listen to all of that and just take it really slowly i went too fast it's unquestionably i went too fast but now i'm I'm slowing it down as much as i can and just taking baby steps um that's made a huge difference to be fair i feel a lot better now because i'm taking the time out to try and recover and as i said with family members they just got to be patient it is a much much longer road than you might anticipate it is you know my symptoms were relatively minor because i was at hospital so quickly but anyone with a worse condition where you've just got to be so so patient it just takes time a few months into mark's recovery and despite having to deal with severe bouts of fatigue he's enjoying life and he's back at work Thanks for supporting us at Stroke Stories. Please do recommend episodes to your friends if you think it'll help them. And if you subscribe and rate the episodes you hear, that will really help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, we'd love to hear from you. Our DMs are always open on Twitter and Instagram. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. <laughs>